Amen. And we have more of this tonight, so we would remind you tonight is our Palm Sunday cantata, so we know that the worship teams have been working hard, and we have a whole evening of worship tonight entitled The King is Coming, correct? Yes. And it is 7 o'clock right here in the sanctuary, so we would invite you all to come back 7 o'clock this evening for our choir cantata. A few other announcements. In your bulletin is this insert about our church directory. Our pictorial directories are being made. Appointments are being set, and you can schedule your appointment after the service. There will be some people out in the back at the end of the service today to schedule your appointment, and each Sunday until it happens, you can also schedule your appointment online. So they wanted to remind me to remind you that you don't get a pictorial directory unless you get your picture taken to be in this. So we want everybody to do it. No excuses. And you get a free directory. So there you go. Uh, But anyway, after church, you can go out there and have the picture appointment made. In your bulletins, there is a tariff portion in the back. Fill that out if you're a first-time visitor and put it in the offering plate as it goes by. We'll have a record of your attendance. And if anyone here has any prayer requests, prayer needs, we pray for you uh, in the church offices throughout the week. On the other side, there's a spot there. Just lift up your prayer concerns, write it down, put it in the offering plate, and we will pray for those as well. One other reminder, there are no Wednesday night activities this week. It is spring break for uh, the schools, so we are out this week, and then Easter Sunday is next week, and Tim is in Tennessee this morning, so pray for him as he is traveling, and he will be back here with us next Sunday. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and we are gathered in your house to glorify your name, and we thank you that we are also expectant to be in your presence and in your spirit and to worship you and your majesty as you are king of all kings, and we thank you that you are here with us, and we pray that this service is uh, focused on you, Jesus, that everything we do, everything we say will bring you glory, and that your spirit would move. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hosanna, and uh, we're going to sing it to the tune of Lead On, O King Eternal. You will recognize the tune, uh, but these words are so fitting for our time of procession this morning. I'd ask you to remain seated so that you can see the children. The choir will stand and help lead our hymn, 130. We'll uh, listen to it played through one time and then sing the three stanzas.
Amen. Please remain seated as we will turn in our hymnals to number 682 for our responsive reading, Triumphal Entry. I will read the light portion and you will together read the darker portion. 682. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. As we continue singing about the king this morning, would you turn to hymn number 161, 
crown him with many crowns. We're going to stand and sing stanzas one, two, and four. all y'all for praying for me in my last stroke and for the last two months I've been working hard lost 29 pounds but you don't know what it means to walk up here and serve with the deacon I thank you so much for your prayer and hope you continue to pray I'd like to read one passage of scripture Matthew 21 8 through 11 a great, great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from trees and throw them in the way. And the multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Let us pray. Lord, bless this offering. Bless the giver. Use it to do your will in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Good morning. Tori and I want to do this song for you this morning, but at the end of the song, there are two extra choruses, and we would love it if you could join us on those two choruses. There'll be very little music at that time, but the chorus is printed in your bulletin. So if you could join us in worship during that time, the last two choruses of the song. Thank you. mountain one dreadful morn walked Christ my Savior weary and worn facing for sinners death on a cross that he might save them from endless loss blessed Redeemer precious Redeemer Seems now I see him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding, for sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Father, forgive them, my Savior prayed. Even while his life blood flowed fast away, praying for sinners while in such woe, no one but Jesus ever loved so. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding, for sinners bleeding, blind and unheeding, dying for me. On Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding, for sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Oh, how I love him, Savior and friend, how can my praises ever find end through years unnumbered on heaven's shore my song shall praise him forevermore blessed redeemer precious redeemer sees now i see him on calvary's tree Wounded and bleeding, for sinners bleeding, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, 
Amen. Palm Sunday is a unique and a wonderful day as we celebrate Jesus and his majesty. And we could focus on the triumphal entry. We could focus on the celebration, the Hosanna. Hosanna meaning salvation is coming, salvation is here. Or we could focus on the sad turn of the people who were rejoicing Christ in one moment, who were turning from him the next when he wasn't the king that they wanted him to be. And then we could also focus on Christ's own turn from the celebration in which he initiated to his true purpose of the cross and the resurrection. But this morning, we're going to focus and center on the truth that the majesty of Jesus as king is declared and fulfilled by Jesus himself. So important because Jesus is not what we say he is. Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is king. That's what makes it so, not whether or not I think that. We believe it because Christ is king of all. Christ is king of the universe. Christ is more than just king of the Jews. Christ has redeemed and rescued us. But the truth is that Jesus himself declared and fulfilled this message this day. We're going to look at his kingship. We're going to see that Jesus in four ways declared himself to be king of not just the Jews, but of all the earth. And we're going to see that as a Jew, he was fulfilling Jewish law, Jewish prophecy, and the promises of a coming Messiah. But all of them are bigger than, than just being a Jewish kingship. Remember, Matthew 21 ends, or Matthew, the gospel ends in Matthew 28 by saying, all authority has been given to me, Jesus, in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Jesus came for all not just for the Jews. Jesus knows he's king over all the nations and not just Israel. Let's pray before we read our scripture. Father God, open up your word to us. Speak life into our hearts, and we trust that you are going to move and you're going to have your way and that we are going to celebrate because you chose to celebrate yourself on this Palm Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 21, we've heard it in several ways in wonderful ways as we're planning this service, and God be praised for all the help and all the children and all the different elements that came together to focus on this majesty of Jesus as king. Matthew 21, I'm going to read 1 through 17. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Verse 6, the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Verse 12, And Jesus entered the temple 
and he drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. Four things Jesus does to declare his own kingship in this passage. Number one, he starts by declaring his majesty, his kingship, by riding on a donkey. You notice at the very beginning, he sends two of his disciples to get a donkey. They go into the village, find the donkey, untie it, bring it to him. Why, why did Jesus do this? He's not in the custom and the habit of riding around on donkeys. Why did he do this? Because never before has such a thing happened. He says to fulfill what the, was spoken through the prophet. He did it to fulfill a prophecy in that this is the way he is going to announce, declare his kingship to the people. He, he, he quoted from Zechariah 9, 9, and it says, a direct quote from the Jesus has chosen this act to declare his kingship, and it says, to us today, behold, our king has come, and he's not what you'd expect. He's humble. He's gentle. He's a servant. He's a humble king. He's not this powerful king that everyone takes notice because he's riding in on a white horse. He's coming in humility. He's clothing himself as a servant, and he's doing this this first, uh, this first time coming in a way so that people would realize that there is time. Very soon, Jesus is going to come another way. In his second coming, he's not going to be coming on a donkey. It's very interesting. When you look back at Zechariah 9, 9 and 10, which Jesus was quoting, it also says this, Rejoice greatly, he will speak peace to the nations. His dominion, his kingship will be from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. That's declaration number one, that Jesus intentionally fulfills Scripture in that he is a humble, gentle, saving, Jewish, but also global king. Very, very important. Jesus knew from the beginning the Jewish people were going to turn and reject him. He knew his salvation was not going to be kept to just the Jewish people, and he is inviting us today to see that as well. We should be grateful because the gospel has come to us today as non-Jewish people because Jesus intended from the very beginning to have his salvation be for all the nations so that his peace would reach the ends of the earth. God's kingship is global. His kingship is over all. And this day we celebrate that he knew that, he came in a way that fulfilled it through scripture, and we compare it to how he's going to come maybe very soon as we read in the book of Revelation. Here's what this says in Revelation 19, 11 through 16. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. 
And he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is coming again soon, and he's not coming in on a donkey. He's, he's giving us that image because today is the day of salvation. When Jesus returns again, he's coming on a white horse. He's coming in power. He's coming to rule the nations. It is too late if we wait. Today, Jesus is saying, is the day of salvation. Today is the day where the children need to acknowledge that Jesus is king. Today is the day his people need to acknowledge Jesus is king. Don't wait. Church, don't wait because one day Jesus is coming again. And he's going to come in power, and he's coming in a way that everyone will know who Jesus truly is, the king of all. But he starts on a donkey, and he tells us now is the time of salvation. He's meek, he's lowly, he's a servant, he's welcoming, he's seeking, he's forgiving, he's patient. And soon he will shed his blood on a cross for all those who receive his gift of grace in Christ Jesus. Today, Jesus saves sinners. When he comes again, it's too late. This morning, today, now, he wants to win you. He wants to heal you. He wants to save you. And Jesus intended this from the very start. Number two, as you look in this story, you'll notice a massive change. He comes in on the donkey. There's palm branches. There's coats being laid down. We're going to talk about that in a second. But then he becomes angry. He has a righteous anger as he enters the temple, he sees people selling things and money exchanging and these doves, and he turns over the tables. He has this outburst, and he says, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You're making it a robber's den. Don't think for a minute, even though Jesus is a humble king, don't think for a minute he can stand or tolerate our apathy. Not in any way, shape, or form can Jesus tolerate apathy to who he is. So Jesus comes in, and with a fierceness, he boldly overturns these tables. He sees what's going on in the temple, and he cannot handle his father's glory being belittled. He can't stand it. His spirit within him will not tolerate such a thing, and he turns over the tables. And he does this, just like he did with the donkey, to fulfill a scripture. It was designed by Jesus himself. He was quoting Isaiah 56, And it says this, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You're making it a robber's den. It goes on to say, also, this is Isaiah 56, the full passage, the foreigners will join themselves to the Lord, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. It's a majestic thing when we look at this. Jesus is not just giving us the fact that The temple in Jerusalem is the holy place of God. He's saying, my spirit will be for all peoples, all time. He knows what's going on, and his heart is disturbed at what is going to happen with the Jewish people turning and denouncing Jesus as he goes to the cross. 
And he knows his salvation is for everyone. His salvation is opened up for all the nations. As a humble king, he can't tolerate the majesty of his father being belittled. Today in the church, I feel it's the same way. Jesus does not want the church of all things to be apathetic to the kingship of Christ. How can we as a church belittle the name of Jesus? Jesus is the name exalted above all names. And as a church today, we can't stand for half-hearted Christianity. We can't stand for people to come in and just be okay with Jesus. We want to declare him the king of everything. We want to proclaim his salvation. And what better time than Palm Sunday? I read a story about 15 years ago. I go on the internet to see all the details of this story. It turns out there's a lot of stories like this, and it's kind of an amazing thing. It was a story in Chicago about a dog named King, which is an apt name for our sermon today. The dog's named King, and his master was an eight-year-old boy who got killed in a car accident. People started to notice that at this gravesite of the boy, a dog would show up every day for eight years. A dog would show up every day at this graveside. And the, and the, the newspaper people thought, this has got to be a story. So they go and they find where the dog goes home every night, and they talk to the family. And they're like, do you know that your dog is going to this graveyard every day? And apparently it's been going on for eight years, they find out. And they're like, of course we know. We have tried everything we could do to stop him. We've put him, we, we put him inside. He'll... he'll drive us crazy. He wants to go outside. He will jump the fence. He'll dig under the fence. He will tear through his leash. We cannot keep him. So finally, we just said, we're going to let him go. And then, and then they said, he wants to go and visit our son's grave. He's determined to do that. We're not going to stop him. Sometimes he would get his teeth bloody, tearing through the ropes to get out and go see his master's grave. It's a dog. Just a dog. Determined, loyal, devoted, who wants to go and pay respect to his master. We are people who have been called by Christ for a holy calling, and we as the church should stop at nothing to exalt and praise his name. If a dog can do that to an earthly master, we can serve our God with more energy, with more devotion, and with more passion than we ever thought possible because he deserves it. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. There's no worldly excuse that should keep us from exalting the name of Jesus and his majesty as king. That's number two, cleansing the temple. Our church today needs to be alive with the passion of Christ. Number three, how Jesus declares his kingship. Verse 14 says, the blind and the lame then come to him and he healed them. Imagine what an impact this must have had. We're talking about the most public place in the city, in the temple. And there's people there who see the, the, the fierceness of Jesus as he boldly overturns these tables. And they come to him, and they're not coming um, with headaches and sore throats. They're coming to him as paralyzed people who are lame or who are blind. And he's publicly demonstrating his healing. What and why would he do this? Well... We've already been told once, John the Baptist, who was Jesus' best friend, he was in jail. 
he sent and asked Jesus this. And he said this. This is from Matthew 11. Are you, Jesus, the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? It's kind of a phenomenal thing to think about. John the Baptist, as close as he was in prison before his death, calls, says, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Are you really the Messiah? Or should we look for somebody else? Jesus sends word back to John while in prison. And he says this, go and report to John. Here's what you're going to hear and see. The blind will receive sight and the lame will walk. In other words, Jesus said, yes, I am the coming king because I heal the blind and I heal the lame. Why? Because the healing of the blind and lame in the temple coming after the entrance on the donkey, he's the coming king, he's the powerful king, and he is the Messiah that fulfills scripture by saying this, quoting Psalm 35, take courage, he will save you, the eyes of the blind will be opened, the lame will leap like a deer. Isaiah 35, 4 through 6. Jesus, the donkey, fulfilled scripture. Jesus, overturning the table for the, pass- for the passion of his father, fulfilling scripture. Jesus, healing the blind and lame in the temple, fulfilling scripture. All of this was done simply so Jesus can declare to the people who he really is, not what they think he might be or what they think he could be, who he really is. He confirmed that to John the Baptist. His kingship is now in part, but we will know it in full. He is king over all kings. He's king over disease. He's king over nature. He's not just someone who is going to keep us safe when we're sick. He's going to keep us safe, and he's going to make us whole, absolutely whole. Today, we need to receive that part of him as well. He can do all things. He is king. Number four, and this might be my favorite, the fourth way Jesus declares his kingship and his majesty is in his response to the children. The children, in verse 15, are shouting in the temple. After they see the healings, after, after the, he's already come in on the donkey, overturned the tables, they see the healings. The children are the ones who say, Hosanna to the son of David, over and over. Hosanna, Hosanna. Salvation is here. The king is here. Jesus responds to the children in this way. They say this. How come they're saying this? How come children who maybe not, aren't as intelligent in the scriptures as the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, how come the children are saying this? Because kids know what is. They understood the way that you treat a king in Israel was to lay down coats, to lay down coats. We think, why does Jesus come in on a donkey so his donkey's feet don't get dirty? No, they, he, they were symbolizing the arrival of a king. The kids were watching this. They saw this. They were doing their part by taking their branches and putting them on the, on the ground in front of them. As we see the palms come in this morning, it fills my heart with joy because it's kids who have an exuberance for maybe not knowing everything, but knowing that Jesus is king, that Jesus is real, that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is, is the one. And the people, the adults in the room, they're like, Jesus, do you see what these kids are doing? They're saying, Hosanna to the son of David. David was the king that the kids all knew about growing up. They knew how David would arrive and how they put their coats down, their palms down. They knew 
the kids knew, and the adults were indignant. They were like, Jesus, this has got to stop. The kids are shouting like you're a king. They said to him, the adults, do you hear what these children are saying? Jesus says one thing, yes. He says yes, one simple word. I hear what they're saying. And he quotes Psalm 8, just like the others. He says, yes, I do. I planned it. I wanted it. I receive it from these children. And I wish you would receive it as well. Psalm 8 says, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared a praise for yourself. And the rest of this quote says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth who have displayed your splendor above the heavens from the mouth of infants and nursing babes. You have established strength of praise because of your adversaries. Don't miss this. Jesus receives the praise of children and explains it by quoting a psalm when children are praising God. Jesus knew and knows all things because he's a king. I, uh, I enjoy coaching. Some people ask me, why do you always coach your kids' teams? Why do you always coach your kids' teams? And I'll tell you a, a couple reasons, because I love children. I love children. I love the fact, I mean, I'm in youth ministry, so I, to us, they're children. I love children from young to older children because they're exuberant, because they live their lives with energy. When they're, when they're excited, you know they're excited. When they're sad, you know they're sad. Kids are real, and they're honest, and they're forthcoming. And I think a lot of times we as adults steal that from them. We in the church steal that from them. You know, you don't know what we know, kids, so we'll just wait. We'll just wait until you get older. I coach because I've seen adults steal the joy of sports from kids. And I, in my heart, was like, you know what? That guy is not making soccer fun. That guy is belittling and, and ripping apart his kids on a wreck basketball team. It could be my kids. I'm not saying I'm a great coach, but I want them to know that basketball and soccer are fun and to be enjoyed. We as adults have to understand we want our children to know that Jesus is more than just fun. He is amazingly wonderful. He is who he says he is, and we should not be the ones to steal their joy. We should be the ones to lead their joy. And sometimes kids have to teach us that. These kids were the ones shouting Hosanna. These kids were the ones, the adults were like, wait a minute, kids, they're not old enough to do this. They're announcing you as king. I was in Guadalajara, Mexico on a mission trip many years ago. There's about 50 people in the room. It was just a little church building. We'd been doing ministry. They called the mission team in. We sat on the very front row because they always want their guests to be right on the front. Their worship, they started worshiping in Spanish. Their worship leadership team consisted of an eight-year-old kid on the drums who was amazing. He was drumming away his little heart to God. There was a, another young, young man, probably 12, 13, playing the guitar, and there was a couple teenage girls singing the songs. Very young worship team. We all stood. We were on the front row. We started singing, and in the back was, I can only describe it as, an annoying, yelling voice that to my ears was making fun of these kids who were leading worship. That's what I thought. Someone was singing out of tune, 
above and beyond everybody else. The youth are whispering in my ear, somebody needs to make him stop. Somebody needs to make him stop. And I'm like, I'm not turning around. I'm not turning around. And I was just like, you know, this is spiritual warfare. Somebody's trying to distract from the name of Jesus. We're just going to go forward. It kept going. It kept going. Finally, I turned around and I looked and my heart broke. It was probably a 30, 35-year-old man with his hands lifted in the air, his eyes closed and tears running down his face, singing as loud as he humanly could his love for Jesus. And I was on the front row stealing that joy because, you know, we think singing is about what everybody sounds like. He was worshiping God, and that is how Jesus wants us to worship. Not just with our voice. He doesn't want us just to sing out, but he wants our lives to be lived with abandon and with reckless pursuit and love and adoration for our king. He does not want us to be safe and quiet and accepting. We want, he wants us to be completely joyful for him, that we will do whatever he wants us to do. We will go wherever he wants us to go. Wherever he sends us, we will exalt the name of Jesus. That's what the message of the church is today. Jesus was giving us this picture way back, even before the cross. He was saying, church, look at these kids. They're worshiping. They know who I am. Do you? He said, if you, I want these kids' praise, and I wish your praise would come to me as well. That's what he's saying to the adults. I wish yours would come as well. He knew it wasn't. And he's saying, he's saying, have you never read this passage? That out of the mouth of infants, praise is being prepared for yourself. And what he's doing is telling us, I think, this morning, that when we see who Jesus is as king, when we see his majesty, when we see his greatness, we respond like we should respond to someone who is our king. We don't respond half-heartedly. We don't respond as, ah, I'll take him or leave him. The church of all people needs to rise up and say, this Palm Sunday, today, that Jesus is here, Jesus is Savior, Jesus is Lord over all, and my life will reflect his glory. That's what he deserves. When we leave, we reflect it that much louder, not because we're in church, but because he is still king wherever we go, whatever we do. I believe we insult God when we lack adoration to Jesus as king, and the world will respond when they see his church adoring Jesus the way he deserves. The world will respond to that. The world's not going to respond to people who are just taking Jesus half-heartedly and going home. When your life has changed, when God's word has transformed your life, when the spirit of Christ is dwelling in your heart and you will do anything, anywhere, at any time to lift the name of Jesus, the world's going to say, that is what I want. And they'll be changed. So that's the four points. Uh, I thank you for letting me speak this morning, given the privilege of sharing God's word. I know I'm not sufficient to do it justice, but I know that God is here and that God works how he needs to work. And I pray that his spirit is touching your hearts and that we can see these four things. Jesus did it. He declared it. And he knew it all along. And today he wants us to know salvation because when he returns again, it's going to be in power 
and it's got to be too late. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. So whatever God is doing on your heart this morning, during our invitation, during our, our, our closing time, I would trust and ask that you respond in a way that honors him as king over all. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for the way that you have ordained all things, the way that Jesus came on a donkey, the way that he would not settle for people belittling your Father's glory, that he would not settle for less than full healing, not just physical, but forgiveness of all sin, and that God, he lifted up complete praise of the children and the people who were shouting Hosanna. God, we confess as a church, we do not exalt your name nearly enough. We do not lift up the name of Jesus strongly enough. We do not come and sing loud enough, but God, take us today and make our lives lived so that you are praised as fully as we are able to praise you. Thank you for this Palm Sunday, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to stand together as we sing our invitation hymn. It's number 406, The Solid Rock. And uh, if you have anything that God is doing in your heart, come forward to join. Uh, give him your all. Do that as we sing. 406.
I don't know. Yeah, I'm on. Thank you again. It's been a wonderful Palm Sunday. Thank you all the children who participated in the choir. And remember, tonight, 7 o'clock, is our Easter cantata, 7 p.m. 